In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, Traditionally, we call it Gaudete, or uh, Joy, or Rejoicing Sunday. Uh, And so we have the pink candle to remind us of that joy and that rejoicing. Uh, The pink stands out for that reason. And so our theme this week, uh, again, is Rejoicing or Joy. The first week of Advent, you'll remember as we talk about the coming of the Messiah, the second coming as we remember the first, uh, was the light of God. We are uh, called to respond to his light, to uh, wrap ourselves in that light. Uh, The Lord says it's the armor of light that we put on ourselves. We talked about how we are soldiers in the midst of the uh, of the kingdom that is here on earth, um, and that we are uh, called to have hope as we uh, battle for righteousness. And so we put on not only light but hope. And so now this Sunday, after we've talked about light and hope, uh, we're reminded of joy that we also have to have uh, joy in our hearts. And uh, joy is a very strange thing, isn't it? It's not fun. And it's not happiness. Joy is something very different. Jesus uh, talks about uh, the, uh, the John the Baptist and the prophecy that John does. And, and he reminds the people that they had been told that Elijah would come. And he says, if you're willing to accept it, uh, you can know that uh, John is Elijah. Come back, that he is in the spirit of Elijah. And that he's warning the people about repentance. And he says, uh, what was prophesied, what was told to you has happened. What the Lord promised, he's brought uh, to come to pass. And so he reminds them of what it is that John the Baptist is supposed to do that he preaches this baptism of repentance uh, which we practice and that then the messiah comes and the messiah fills all and he says that's been accomplished in your midst and so he's calling the people to respond to john as elijah and he's calling the people to respond to himself as messiah and he's pointing out uh, you've done the opposite you have uh, responded to us in an opposite manner. And in order to illustrate that, he talks about this children's game that the children of Jerusalem in the ancient Near East would play. The children would gather in a marketplace, and they would play a game that's so much like children's games today, if we can get them outside. And that is uh, that they would pretend to play musical instruments and to sing songs. So the one group of children would play a dirge or a funeral hymn, a mourning hymn, right? Something very sad, and they'd have sad faces, and they'd pretend to play very sad instruments. And then the other group of children would laugh and dance and play. And then they would say, we sang a dirge, but you laughed and danced. Then they would play a happy song, and they'd play something that was joyful. And then the other group of children would frown and mope and pretend like they were sad. And you could see children just laughing at this and thinking this is the funniest thing in the world, right? I did the opposite of what you did. And this is children getting used to the idea of opposites and the humor that comes in doing what is the opposite, right? They take great joy in that. And so you can see the children playing this game. And so what Jesus is saying uh, to all those who will listen is you're playing the game of opposites, right? John the Baptist came and he uh, wore sackcloth. He wore the camel's hair. He's in the Jordan and uh, you call him a drunkard and you say that he's this uh, fool. You didn't respond to him in the right way. I come and I uh, eat and drink and do all the things that John didn't do. And you treat me as if I had a demon. You're playing the game of opposites, the game uh, of a child. And you're not 
dancing to the tune of God. You're not responding to the tune that God is playing. God's playing a tune. This is the tune that he's playing. He's preparing the way of Zion. He's coming before you. He's warning about repentance. He's calling you to live your life according to his will. And he's saying you're singing and dancing to an opposite tune. So he's saying you have to align yourselves or be in harmony with the tune that God is singing. So of course the question for us is how do we do that? How do we practice listening to the harmony of God, the the tune that God is playing, and then dance, that is, live our lives, that is, be in action according to God's will? And Jesus has this great line here where he says, uh, wisdom is judged by her deeds. In other words, smart is, is smart does. Right? That's how we might say it. That's what Jesus is saying. Smart is, is smart does. So if you're wise, you'll do wise things. If you're listening to the righteousness of God, you'll do righteous things. So let's look at what your deeds are. So we're wanting to dance, we're wanting to act, we're wanting to perform deeds in accordance with the song that God is singing. St. James says that uh, one way that we do this is through patience. And he talks about the patience of a farmer, uh, which is a very interesting example, I think, to use for patience, right? Uh, farmers are patient in the sense that, uh, you know, there is planning that happens uh, well a year before the harvest comes to fruit, right? Uh, because uh, you have to have bought the seed, you have to have prepared the soil, you have to have watched the season a full year at least before uh, planting, and so once you've planted, you're having to wait through other multiple seasons for the crop to come right? It's the most conservative business in the world. The farmer has to put in so much labor, so much capital before he gets the fruit of his labor. It's by no means an immediate task. But look at all the work that the farmer is doing beforehand. So St. James is calling it patience, but it's an interesting kind of patience, right? Sometimes we think when we hear patience, sit back and do nothing, right? Just wait on the Lord. Right, And so somehow patience and not doing anything have somehow been uh, made equivalent. And that can't be the kind of patience that St. James is talking about because the farmer works like crazy, right? While he's patient. So this is the kind of patient that is reading the seasons, paying attention to what is coming in the seasons, watching for what needs to happen, preparing for this crop to come, planting those seeds... So if we plan on being righteous before God, if we plan on listening to his harmony and and performing those deeds, we've got to be looking at the seasons. We've got to be looking at our life and looking at what is to come and what are the things I'm going to need to do, right? If I'm being asked to do a hard thing, if I'm being asked to do something that I'd rather not do or something that's difficult, I can't just wait. I've got to wait in patience with preparation, right? To prepare myself and to work myself into that place. So that's the, the patience Uh, that a farmer has. And then he starts out, it seems, just talking about, you know, if you're sick, go and have somebody pray for you, which seems very just kind of innocuous, doesn't it? Ah, that's easy enough. I don't feel good. I'll have somebody pray for me, which many people don't do, right? Many people don't do. Many people are sick and they don't ask for prayer. So that's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? At first, on the surface, it seems, well, that just makes sense, doesn't it? But so many of us are sick and don't ask for prayer. Don't expect healing. And one of the reasons, I think, is because maybe uh, subconsciously, 
we know what St. James is saying here about what has to happen when we go for prayer. And this is something that gets disputed, strangely enough, amongst Christian groups, which is uh, confessing our sins one to another, right? St. James is very clear about it, right? The practice of the church is just very clear. Healing prayer and repentance are hand in hand. They go together. That may be one of the reasons why we don't go for healing prayer. Because we know if we're going to do it right, we've got to repent at the same time. And so he says, go one to another, repent, and your sins will be forgiven, and you'll receive healing. So part of this work that we have to do as farmers of righteousness, if you will, and preparing that ground and allowing our hearts to become that good soil, right, that the Lord talks about in his parable of the soils, right, that rich, deep earth, is to practice that repentance, that going to one another and confessing our sins and asking for healing. Knowing that I'm going to have to have forgiveness and I'm going to have to have healing and strength from God, His grace, in order to do that work that He's preparing me to do sometime off. So this is how we become good farmers of the soil of our hearts, is through repentance to one another and prayer for healing. And now our hearts become soft and good soil and ready for the reins of God and for His seed. Which He says is like bringing rains to the desert. Isaiah is one of my favorites. Maybe because of us desert dwellers. We know how precious wildflowers are. Right? We know when wildflower season comes... My grandmothers used to talk about wildflower season at this time of year, right? When are the rains going to come? When's going to be the good time? Will they be parched too soon in the sun? Because you wait a week too long and they're parched. You go a week too early and they haven't bloomed. You have to catch them just right. But when you do, the variety of God's beauty that he brings out of such a dry, hard soil is incredible. And they'd make my grandfathers drive them out into the wilderness of these deserts and park alongside of the road and sit in their cars. Unfortunately, my grandfathers may be uh, not quite as sensitive to the beauty of the desert as my grandmothers. While they went and they searched and they picked each one of those little blooms so they could bring them home and dry them or set them out and enjoy the, the beauty of God's creation. But that's how we have to look for that harmony, for that uh, beauty of the Lord in our lives. We have to be like uh, those searchers for wildflowers. We have to be listening for, for His tune. We have to be waiting to see, when have the rains come? When have I received that grace? What, what's the time that He's preparing me for? I've got to be alert and I've got to be ready. If I forget about the beauty that He's going to bring, I could miss the bloom. But he promises that he will bring that bloom to our lives, that he will bring that rain, that he will feed us with that grace, and that he'll give us that joy. That joy is amazing stuff. Fun? Yeah. It comes and goes as quick as it came. You get off the roller coaster, fun's over. Now you've got to go and get in line again. Happiness? I don't know about you, it doesn't really last a day. I could be happy for an hour, 
Maybe a two. But a whole happy day? Pretty hard to come by. Joy. Joy can last our whole lives. And we can have joy in the midst of grief. We can be in a funeral. We can be in an emergency room. We can be in a hard place and we can wait upon the Lord and we can receive His joy in our hearts in that instant. That's better than fun. That's better than happiness. It's sustaining. It's deep. It's rejuvenating. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that allows our hearts to rest in Him and to hear that melody that He's playing. And it all comes out of his love. The crocus is an interesting flower that Isaiah uses here. Huh? From the crocus, its stigmas that come out of the crocus flower, we get the spice saffron. And saffron, since ancient times, well before the time of Isaiah, was known as the most valuable spice in the world. If you get enough saffron by weight, it's far more valuable than gold. And it grows in the desert. Iran, it turns out today, is the greatest producer of saffron in the world. And here this incredible, rich, beautiful, vibrant, flavorful, wonderful spice comes out of a desert place and brought out by the grace of God. That's what he wants to do for us. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to hear the melody that he's playing. And he wants us to walk on his highways. He says even the fool can do it. Thanks be to God. I qualify. Right? I don't have to be a wise man. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Even a fool can be righteous. I win. Right? We could too can walk on the highway of God if we just hear His voice and dance to His tune. If we just dance to His tune, we will receive His grace and His joy, which is deep and sustaining, and will bring beauty out of our lives. Beauty that we could not ask for or imagine. May He bestow His grace and joy upon us this day and forevermore.